We lift you up, we praise you, and we thank you for that. And it's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. And together we said, amen and amen. If you could just comment right now, I can't wait to get home. I sure would appreciate that. For those of you that are just joining us or maybe just tuning in, like I said, our target date to open is the 17th. For Mother's Day, we're choosing not to open immediately just for the fact that we want you to be blessed with your family at home. Uh, Carrie will be bringing a message from our home to your home. We're going to give Melissa, Mike, and Ron just a time off before we open up on the 17th. Also, we're ordering things in to where we can be prepared to open up. Some of those things won't even come in until after Mother's Day. And I would just like you to know that it is going to look different, but it will feel the same because the presence of God will be with us and be here. Uh, It is very restrictive, but I'll get into more of that on Wednesday night at 6.30 in our Facebook group, so make sure you tune in uh, to watch that and be a part of that because there's a lot of instructions and different things that we have to work out uh, by the uh, DHM orders, the Department of Health Measures, and also the state mandate uh, that we're under, and also the insurance company that wants to make sure that you're safe uh, as you enter back into the building. So a lot of information coming out to you uh, this week as, as we process that and get that ready. But if you would, let's go ahead and dive into the Word of God. We're going to close out the series of why. Why don't I feel my faith? Pastor, why is it sometimes I don't feel the presence of God? So turn to your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. If you don't have it, we will put it right up here on the screen. Hebrews 11, verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance. Go ahead and type substance right now in those comments. Because last time I talked to you, I said faith is about substance. Faith is about the substance of things we hope for. The evidence of things not seen. Faith is about the truth that we hope for. The the promises that we hope for. The evidence, the truth, the promise that we may not see yet. And like I told you last Sunday, if it's not based on truth, if it's not based on the promise of God, then it's only presumption and it's not faith at all. So faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. Let me pray. Father, in Jesus' name, as we come into this word and we come into this message, you know, I believe this is going to help more people than just about not feeling their faith or not feeling the presence of God, but I think it's going to help them in their relationships, in their marriage, and in their life. Change somebody today. Transform them with the truth today. Let them make the choice to follow the truth to radically transform their life. And it's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said, amen, or commented, amen. I'm just getting ready for when you get back, amen. You you know, I I got cut on my finger uh, this week, and it's almost healed because when any part of the body uh, is wounded or cut, the body immediately responds. Immediately it does. The, The small blood vessels begin to dilate where that injury occurred the wound uh, then becomes red and it becomes inflamed and in that cut the white blood cells go on a seek and destroy mission and those white blood cells their job is to gobble up the dead cells to gobble up the debris to gobble up the bacteria and then that swelling anytime you've been cut it makes all the the nerves stand on end so now every time you touch it it's it's very tender and it's very uh sensitive and the reason for that tenderness and and sensitivity is to warn you that you need to protect that cut from further aggravation and all of this is done for the well-being of your body and i'm just simply amazed at how God has designed the body to protect itself. How the God has designed our immunity to protect ourselves. And the question that I propose to you today is why would God do any less with our emotions? Why would God do any less with our feelings? Doesn't he give us warning signs 
for our emotions and, and for our feelings uh, so that we can handle those emotions and feelings in a way that protects ourselves. I believe he does because in your notes, the capacity to feel is one of the most unique qualities that God has placed in you and God has placed in me. Not a single person listening to the sound of my voice would want to trade the feeling and the emotion of happiness, of contentment, and of joy. But at the same time, any day of the week, we would want to trade the emotion of anger and despair and discouragement and depression. We'd want to trade away those feelings. So when it comes to feelings, they can have an effect on our Christian journey. And that's why many Christians have come to me and said, Pastor, why don't I feel the presence of God? Why don't I feel my faith? And those are good questions. And listen to me, when you have that feeling, you can be deeply grieved in your spirit. Especially not to have a conscious feeling of the presence of God in our life. So feelings are important when it comes to the nearness or the remoteness of God. So I want to talk about that today. Feelings are important when it comes to the nearness or the remoteness of God. So to discuss that, we're going to dive into three things. We're going to address the subject of feelings. We're going to discover what is it that God is doing during this time of farness from God or remoteness from God. And then we're going to discover some things that we can do today to control those feelings and emotions when we feel like God seems very far away. So let's dive into the first thing. Let's dive into the subject of feelings. Because many of you probably growing up, I know my mom and dad said this, but they always told me, said, son, sleep on it before you make a decision. They've always told me, don't jump into a commitment before you've thought it through. Why? Because they were wise enough to know that feelings are fickle. They've been around long enough to know that, you know what, my feelings and my emotions can lead me astray. And I believe with all of my heart that if we look back at some of the dumb decisions we've made, it's because we did not ponder the feeling and the emotion before we made that decision. And if we look back at some of those dumb decisions, we would probably want to go back and change it because we were driven by a feeling and we were driven by an emotion. So I want you to understand this, is is feelings are important, and we need to understand feelings, especially when it comes to faith, and when we take feelings and faith and mix those together, what we have to do is we have to look to God as our example. Because in Genesis 6-6, the Bible shows us, the Bible says, the Lord was grieved, and his heart was filled with pain. So the first thing we notice about our Father The first thing we notice about God is he describes himself as a God who feels. He describes himself as a God that has emotions. God has feelings and God has emotions. And the scripture here is the very first instance that we come to where we see God having emotions. But there is something very uniquely different about God's emotions and your emotions, about God's emotions and my feelings. And you really need to understand that if you can get this, then the rest of it's a piece of cake. God feels with perfect knowledge. God feels with perfect knowledge. His feelings are in agreement with what is true. So listen to me. He does not act because he feels. He does not act Because he has an emotion, he acts because he knows. And if God's emotions are based on what is true, then his children that cry out, Abba, Father, his children must learn to conform those feelings, to conform those emotions, to conform this mind to the truth of God's word. Why? To protect ourselves. To protect ourselves from emotions and feelings that nine times out of ten are based on lies that the enemy wants to tell you. So it all boils down to this church. When dealing with feelings, 
We must know what is real. We must know what is real so that we base our feelings on what is true. We must know what is real to base our emotions on what is true. Listen to me, church. This is where most of you get bogged down. Oh, we long for feelings. We love emotions. But those feelings and those emotions could force us to a place that we never wanted to go. So feelings can be legitimate. Feelings can be illegitimate. Emotions and feelings can be logical. Sometimes they can be downright illogical. But they must always be conformed to the truth. Matter of fact, let me give you an example. Let's suppose Monday morning you go into uh, your job. You hear a rumor that you are going to get fired on Friday. (laughs) So Tuesday through Thursday is a living hell for you. Because your feelings and emotions go all over the place. Matter of fact, Thursday, right before that day, I mean, you were just a nervous wreck. You go home that Thursday night and you think, you know what? I'm going to walk into my boss's office and I'm going to look at him and tell him, take this job and shove it. I never liked it anyway. Then all of a sudden you come in on Friday and sure enough, there's a memo on your desk to meet the boss at 10 a.m. Now you're getting a little bit scared. Thursday, you were going to say, take this job and shove it. Now you're shaking in your boots. You're nervous. You're calling your wife, not knowing what to do because you're about to get fired. You walk in there at 10 a.m. All the executives are there. You go pale in the face. And all of a sudden, they say, surprise, we're promoting you. See how your feelings and your emotions can be driven by things that are not true? So here's the deal. If what you feel does not reflect truth, then what you feel does not reflect reality. When you thought you were going to get fired, your feelings turned into anger. You lost your joy. You got an upset stomach. You were nervous because they did not conform to reality. And they did not conform to reality because what you believed was a lie. But once you walked in and you heard the truth, Joy came back. Happiness came back. Contentment came back. Why? It was based on truth. So here's the deal. This is what I'm trying to say. Is many Christians don't feel saved. And many Christians don't feel God's presence. Because they come into the relationship. And they still base their life and their relationship with God on old thoughts. Old feelings and old ways. And those old thoughts, old feelings and old ways have risen itself above the knowledge and the truth of God's word. We see it with many people in scripture. Matter of fact, Jonah. Jonah was outraged that the people of Nineveh repented. He wanted God to kill them all. But what did God do? God came to Jonah and he said, do you have a right to be angry? Look at your, check yourself, Jonah. Look deep inside. Are those feelings based on truth? Remember the prodigal son. He came home. The dad wanted to throw a party. The older brother, what did he do? He got jealous. He got upset. What did the father do? Came and questioned the older brother and said, Do you have a right to be jealous? Check yourself. Look inwardly. Are those feelings based on truth? It goes even further when Elijah was down at his lowest moment, feeling down on himself and depressed. What did God do? The father came, questioned him, and said, Elijah, why are you here? Basically, do you have a right to feel that way? Are your feelings and emotions based on truth? So three things we need to look at when we come to the cross. Three things that we need to look at when we come to God's word. Three things that we need to look at when we hear our pastor preach on Sunday morning is we need to look inwardly. We need to look at our emotions. We need to look at our feelings. And we need to question ourselves to see, is our feelings and emotion based on lies or based on truth? So let me give you three questions. The first question, it's an important question to ask. What emotional trappings 
did I bring into my relationship with God? You can ask that about your relationship with your husband. What emotional trappings did I bring into this marriage? You can ask that with a friendship. What emotional trapping did I bring into this friendship? Because listen, if there was a problem with trust before you met God, the first trial, the first circumstance, the first situation that comes your way, guess what happens? The old feelings, the old emotions take over. Maybe you had a spirit of negativity and a spirit of cynicism before you met God. Then all of a sudden you're praying. God doesn't answer your prayer. So you get angry at God. Oh, I knew he'd never answer my prayer anyway. He thinks so unfavorably about me. He doesn't really love me. Why? Spirit of negativity and cynicism in your relationship with God. Why? Our feelings can go up and down. Nobody illustrates that better than Peter. Peter was the one that, you know what, Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. He challenged Jesus. He cut off the ear of the high priest servant. I mean, he was on the roller coaster of emotions. He was just like all of us, just driven by our emotions. And that's why it's important to understand our personal emotional makeup because you and me have brought in weaknesses into our relationship with God, into our relationship with our spouse, into our relationship with, with our, our friends. We have to look what emotional weaknesses did we bring into this relationship. Second question that we need to ask is we need to ask, do we lack discipline? <laughs> did we lack discipline before we met Jesus? Because if you did, you're going to lack discipline after you met Jesus. I'm just, I'm just telling you that right now. If you were not a disciplined person before, it's going to be hard for you to get disciplined again. And when I'm talking about discipline, I'm talking about in relation to the Word of God, in relation to prayer, in relation to, to uh, church uh, attendance. So let me just tell you this. The distance we feel, especially if we lack discipline, the distance we feel is not so much that God is far away, as much as you are as far away from where you could be. <laughs> are you understanding what I'm saying? See, most of the time, we try to find the least resistant. We, we, we don't take ourselves and go, yeah, it's me. What do we do? It's all God's fault. It's all my spouse's fault. It's all your fault. No, 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 no. If you lack discipline to study, then how can you expect to know God? How can you expect to feel his love if you don't know what that looks like or feels like? If you are in debt and you don't know how to uh, budget your money, you can't blame God for financial situations because you lack the discipline to save. You lack the discipline for a budget. The Bible says to train up a child in the way they should go. If you lack the discipline to do that, don't expect your, your teenager just to Oh, hello, father. Hello, mother. What do you want me to do today? Cook dinner? No, they're going to be rude and rebellious. I'm just telling you that right now. Especially if we lack discipline. If we lack discipline, it's not God. We're the ones that are far away from where we could be. Third question that you need to ask is, what is wrong with my idea of God? Maybe I've brought some wrong ideas into the relationship that are not true. Maybe you came in and you were always told that God is distant and disinterested in you. Maybe you came into the relationship saying, oh, God is stern and demanding. And then you know what? You better do everything it says in that Bible. You've brought that into the relationship. Maybe you think God is absent and busy and doesn't have time for you. So that's why you don't pray. You pray for other people, but you don't pray for yourself. What wrong ideas have you brought into your relationship with God? Because when we look at back at Jonah, Jonah had a wrong idea about God. The Ninevites repented of their sin. Jonah wanted God to kill them. And God's like, I can't do that, Jonah. Why? Because his character is mercy. And his character is grace. Jonah was wanting God to do something that went against his character. And you may have a wrong idea about God that goes totally against his character that you need to check within yourself. So once again, when we begin to understand, listen to me, feelings are vital. I'm not saying don't have feelings. Feelings are vital, but they're not foundational. Don't ever make your feelings and emotions the foundation 
of which you base your life. Because if your feelings become foundational, you cannot delight in God's truth. Because now your feelings and your emotions trump God's truth. But when you begin to understand feelings are vital but not foundational, now I can delight in God's truth. Now I can endure those temporary feelings, those temporary emotions where I feel like God is distant. Now listen to me. If we choose to reverse that sequence, by golly, I'm going to make my feelings foundational. Okay, then the closeness and the farness is really just a merely descriptive of your mood of how you felt that day. Are, are you seeing this? We cannot make feelings and emotions foundational. Because feelings and emotions have nothing to do with God's truth. And Christians experience this all the time. Sometimes we feel the presence of God. Sometimes we don't feel the presence of God. Sometimes we want to get into the Word. Sometimes we don't want to get into the Word. Sometimes we want to pray. And sometimes we don't want to pray. And this is what I find. Is that new believers, when they first found the Savior, oh buddy, you can tell the joy of their salvation. They're hungry for the Word. They're praying for people, you know, in Walmart in the parking lot. Forget social distance and I just got saved. I got to pray for you. They are in the joy of their salvation and on the mountaintop experience. But buddy, after you've journeyed with God for about 10 to 15, 20 years, it seems like you begin to lose that joy and that joy and that passion and that fire becomes less and less and here's the question did God go anywhere no did Jesus change no did the Holy Spirit change no did you lose your eternal salvation no the only thing that changed was you Your feelings and emotions changed. We call them in the church mountaintop experiences are the valley of dryness. (laughs) Right? I mean, that's what we've described it in the church. So here's the deal. God never changes. Jesus never changes. The Holy Spirit never changes. What merely changed was your feeling and your emotion. That you've been programmed to think mountaintop or the dry valley. We're going to talk about that. Because let me, let, let me, let me tell you this. I think there's legitimacy of, of mountaintops and valleys. I don't think we should put so much emphasis on that. Because no, we should not ignore a time where we're feeling dry, if you will. Or a valley, if you will. I think it's in those times that that we feel dry or in those times that we want to call it a valley experience that we should tune into the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because if we ignore the voice of the Holy Spirit, we may ignore something that He's trying to do. So if you ever have a feeling of a dry spot in your life, ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, are you doing something in my life right now? Because I believe He's doing one of two things. The first thing I think he's doing is he's trying to discipline the power of your will. He's disciplining the power of your will. Listen, when we're living on the mountaintop experience, we don't have to exert much effort at all. I mean, baby, I mean, you know what? We're reading the word. I'm on a mountaintop. I'm in my word. God is talking to me and I'm praying the word and I'm pulling down the strongholds. I'm pushing back COVID-19 and, and walking in the spirit is the breeze. I shall not gratify the desires of the flesh, but I shall walk in the spirit. Can I get an amen? That's the mountaintop experience. But then we're in the valley. I just don't feel like reading the word today, Pastor. I don't I'd rather have a root canal than pray. Walk in the spirit. <laughs> I've been walking in the flesh. Everybody getting on my last nerve and I'm telling them what I feel. Oh, it's it's harder, isn't it? And we claim that that is the valley experience, the dryness. I mean, buddy, we've got walking in the flesh down pad in the dry valley experience, but but I want you to comment right now. Where is God the closest? Go ahead and comment what you think. Mountaintop or valley? 
And I bet you ain't even commenting right now because you don't want to be wrong. Where is God the closest, mountaintop or valley? Because if you said valley, you're correct. (laughs) See, on the mountaintop, let me go ahead and be real with you. You're running off emotion. You're running off feelings. It's not so much God's presence in that time. It's emotions and feelings. But in the dry times, (laughs) that's the real you, baby. That's the raw, real deal, holy field. That's the raw, real deal, you. And this is where God's the closest because now he's trying to get you to obey, submit, and conform to his word. So see, God uses that feeling, God uses that emotion of valley times, and his intention is always to train your will so that when you do feel dry, instead of saying, I'm just going to give up, this ain't worth it. No! You discipline yourself, you get in the word, you pray. That's where when you dry, you need to begin to speak to yourself, speak some life over you and say, I will overcome, I will advance, I will read my Bible, I will pray. I'll come out of this dry time no matter what it takes. You push through and now you can look back and actually see that you've made spiritual progress. Are you hearing me? Give me a thumbs up, a heart or something. Encourage me today. Another purpose of a dry season, not only is he disciplining the will, but he's teaching you live by faith. I've called my people to live by faith and not by sight. That's why the Bible says the just, the righteous, Christians shall live by faith and not by sight. We don't live on emotions. At least we shouldn't. We don't live on feelings. At least we shouldn't. But Christians today are so inclined to be driven by their emotions and be driven by their feelings. But your father says, live by faith and not by feelings. And if we live by faith and not by feelings, then whether it's joyful times in the mountaintop or dry times in the valley, they don't affect us. They don't affect us. Now, I'm not insensitive to those times. I tune into what God is doing in that dry time. But whether it's a mountaintop or a valley, I don't let the feeling and the emotion to affect me inwardly. Are you hearing me today? Now, this moves us to... There's somebody right now listening to the sound of my voice that you're going through a dry time. And I want to give you three things that you can do to pull yourself out of that dry time because if God is doing something, these three things is what God wants you to do. Number one, go to the Word. I've been hammering this ever since we've shut down. Go to the Word. Go to the Word. Why? I'll tell you why. On the Mount of Transfiguration, You remember that? Jesus shone whiter than white. I mean, all of his glory was revealed. And Peter was up there. You remember Peter? Wanting to build houses. Let's just stay up here. And rightfully so. His emotions and his his feelings were on red alert. I mean, it was the whitest of white. It was spiritual ecstasy, if you will. I mean, he even heard the voice of the Father say, This is my Son, Do what he tells you to do. But when we read 2 Peter 1, 16 through 21, I'm not going to read it. You You can read it after the sermon. But when you read that, don't miss the point. It was not the feelings and it was not the emotions on the Mount of Transfiguration that drove Peter. Peter based it on truth. His feelings and emotions at the time were not foundational where he created doctrinal truths. It was based on the truth out of the lips of God the Father, out of the lips of Jesus Christ. So Peter's confidence could very well have been placed in his feelings and his emotions at the moment, but it was not. It was based on truth. 
But here's the deal. Young Peter on the mountain being moved by his emotions and his feelings are like 95% of the Christians in America today. When Peter was on that mountaintop, let's build some houses. Let's stay here forever. And that's what Christians want to do. They want to come into church. The presence of God is heavy. The presence of God is thick. Why can't we just stay near to God all of our life? Why can't we just walk out of the church and walk in the Spirit, float into our britches, and be holy as He is holy? Let me say this. There's a big misconception concerning spiritual experiences, first and foremost. We think we are the most spiritual when we're on the mountaintop. And then when we're in the valley, we think we're less spiritual. But see, you've got to eventually grow to be like old Peter. Because when Peter was older and wiser, older Peter saw that his feelings and his emotions were secondary. Secondary compared to the certainty of God's word. That's why Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away. But my word shall remain forever. Feelings and emotions shall pass away. But my word shall remain forever. And unfortunately what the church has created. Is a body of believers that become dependent on their pastor. To preach a sermon. And I think that's, that's valuable. But when we use the pastor to feed us, and that's the only time, we miss the privilege of the process of personally going to God in His Word and hearing Him for myself. Which leads me that after I go to the Word and I hear a word for myself, you need to start speaking to yourself. And I know a lot of people think people are crazy for talking to themselves. But I'm giving you permission to be crazy. I'm giving you permission to talk to yourself. Because after you read the word and after you get that promise, you need to begin to speak it over your life. Speak that thing over your life. Because you've got to understand there's two you's every day you wake up. The old you, the old man, the flesh man, and the new you. The new spirit, the spiritual man. And you got to take that old man and you got to bring him into submission. Until I'm telling you what, don't you dare tell me I got to do that. Don't you dare tell me this. Don't you address yourself. Take what I preach to you and go home and preach it. Adelita, if you're listening to me, thank you, darling. Thank you for tuning in and listening and then regurgitating it on Facebook every week. She's taking what I preach and she's preaching it to her friends. And I know she's preaching it to herself. You got to question yourself. You got to preach to yourself. You got to address yourself because you must never listen to the old man. You must never listen to the flesh. How do I know? That's what Paul said. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, for my part, I've got a clear goal. I run my uh, race with a purpose. I don't just run the race and start beating the air. He says, no, I bruise my own body. Now, he didn't mean I just beat myself. He's talking about the flesh. He's talking about the old man. That's why he says, I make it know who its master is. You need to wake up every day, let your mind, your emotions, and your feelings know who truly the master is. Either you're going to let it master you, or you're going to master it. Now watch this. Don't miss this. This is good. Don't miss this. Ephesians 5.19 Paul went on to say, Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Hmm. Think about that, church. He's instructing us to go to one another and speak psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That doesn't mean to go up to somebody and say, Amazing, great, how sweet the sound. No, what he's saying is go and encourage people. Uplift people. Lift them up with the word of God. And if he's telling us to do that to other people. And then the word says that we should love others like we love ourselves. Shouldn't we be doing that to ourselves too? Which here's a little nugget of truth. If the only thing that comes out of your mouth is negativity. Harsh words. 
mean words to your spouse, to your kids, and to other people, maybe you don't love yourself. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Because what's in you comes out. You're only being mean to people. Check yourself. Speak to yourself. Speak to others from things of the Spirit, not things of the flesh. That's why you must remind the old man of what you now know according to the Word of God. Instead of allowing your feelings and allowing your emotions to come out from what that old man remembers. That's why you got to kill your memory. Make new memories in the Spirit. You got to understand, church, we must train our emotions, train our feelings, train our mind. And if we don't, we will be captive to every impulse and everything that comes our way, and it will lead us astray, not only in your relationship with God, but with your spouse, with your friends. I'm telling you, this is good stuff. So, not only do we need to read the word, not only do we need to speak to ourselves, I'm going to say a dirty bird word right here. Be obedient. I just cussed in church. <laughs> Be obedient. And I know none of y'all want to hear this. But see, obedience builds strength. And what's interesting to me is Exodus three twelve, Because Moses was saying, God, prove to me that you've called me. God said, okay, I'll prove it. He said, I'll be with you. And this will be the sign to you. This will be the sign to you that I've sent you. When you have brought the people out, then you'll worship me on the mountain. What does that mean? The proof of God's call was after the obedience, not before. (laughs) So what does that mean for you? See, the remedy for Moses was to just do it. Hmm, who else said that? Mary, Jesus' mother to the disciples. Whatever he says, just do it. Moses heard the voice of God. God said obey, and Moses did it. And I know obedience is the most difficult part in all of this. But you must obey. You must yield. And you must submit because our natural inclination, our old man, our flesh, wants to drag you every day of the week in the opposite direction of God's word. And listen to me, do not miss this. When a person or a church has lost its ability to feel God, it's lost its ability to obey God. I think the degree to which the spirit falls in a church is to the degree to which the obedience of the leadership and the congregation are walking their lives. And let me tell you, God's spirit is heavy in this church. So I believe a lot of you are being obedient. But any time when a person or a church has lost its ability to feel God, it's because it's lost its ability to obey God. As Melissa and Ron come, I'm going to just kind of close out with this. Feelings will mislead us. Feelings can lead us on a path that is very destructive, whether it's your relationship with God or or your spouse. However, in those times that we do kind of feel dry, tune into the Holy Spirit. Ask Him, are you strengthening my will? Are you strengthening my faith? In times where I don't feel my faith or in times where where I, I don't feel God's presence, get into His Word. Take His Word and speak it over your life. And as you speak it over your life, be obedient to the truth that guides your life. Listen to me, church. I, I close with this. <clears throat> when we come face to face with the cross, When we come face to face with God's word and when we come face to face with our pastor. See, my job, and I hope I do it well, it is to bring you truth. Your job 
is to make a choice. You can either recognize the implications and bring your feelings, your emotions, your will, and your passion to be crucified at the cross. And when you bring your feelings, your emotions, your will, and your passion, and you crucify it at the cross, I guarantee you, you'll feel His presence. You'll hear His voice. You'll sense the closeness of His heart. Or you can make a choice. You can walk away from the cross. You can walk away from His Word. And you can walk away from my voice to your heart. And I guarantee you, you'll live a life feeling like you're alienated from God. And see, I'm going to be real with you right now. This is where the lie has crept into the American church. And this is where the lie has crept into some of your lives. The lie that tells you, you can be close to the Father without dying to yourself. That's a lie, church. Not even Jesus could do that. Jesus had to bring His will into perfect submission with His Father's will. He had to die to Himself. Because see, we hear too much in the church about coming to Christ, coming to Christ, coming to Christ. But we hear very little preaching on you need to be crucified with Christ. Yeah, come to Christ. But lay some things down. Because when you come to Him, I guarantee you, you bring your baggage. You bring your U-Haul truck full of junk. And nothing, if nothing changes inwardly, then you're not going to feel the presence of God. Church, something must die. Either the lie that your feelings and emotions are subject to or the truth which your feelings and emotions must conform to. Today, right now, you need to lay something down at the feet of Jesus. There's something right now that you need. I know we don't have an altar call, but right where you are is your altar right now. You need to lay something down at His feet. Maybe it's that negative spirit. Maybe it's that cynical attitude. Maybe there's some issues in your life that you need to bring to Him. Maybe it's your lack of discipline. Maybe it's your anger. Lord knows it definitely could be your pride. Maybe you are in a dry season and this message is timely. Just go ahead and comment right now. This was for me. This was for me. This was for me. Because if you're trying to operate in your strength during this dry time, you will miserably fail. I don't know what you're going through today. God may feel distant. God may be right there in your living room and you've got the goosebumps of the Holy Ghost. I don't know. But one thing I know, whatever it is, you can trust it in the hands of Jesus Christ. You've got to come today to a point that you begin to feel in perfect knowledge. That your feelings come into agreement with the truth. And I leave you with this. Be like your father. You must not act because you feel You must act because you know. Right now there may be some listening to the sound of my voice. And this is what I know. The Bible said all those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you act on what you know right now, you too can be saved. If that's you, would you just type save me in the comments. Save me. We will get some information to you. Act on what you know. For the rest of you, we're going to sing this song. We're going to sing the song that we bow down. We lay it at the feet of Jesus. Whatever it is right now, 
your feelings and your emotions have been based on a lie, whatever baggage that you brought into this relationship with God that that may uh, prevent you from feeling your faith or prevent you from feeling the presence of God, would you lay it down right there in your living room? I don't care who's around. I don't care if your kid's around. Whatever you got to do to get into your space with God to lay it down at this song. And I'll be right back to dismiss us. And we fall down, we lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus. The greatness of your mercy and love at the feet of Jesus. And we cry, holy, holy. got to die if you want revival in your life in your marriage in your relationships in your family and in this church the pathway is always repentance the pathway is always dying to ourselves because when we die to ourselves there's only one life that can lift us up and that's the life of the Spirit of God. Church, I love you. We're getting closer and closer to meeting again. And oh, what a wonderful day that'll be. I, I can't tell you how excited I am. But I want to protect you too in this whole process. I don't know what I'm going to do. I might jump. I might shout. I might bring my frying pan knock you all upside the head. I'm getting so excited about it. I don't know. But we're going to come back. We're going to have a rip-roaring time. Like I said, it's going to look different, but it's going to feel the same. The same presence of God that's always been in this church will still be here. You know why? Because the leadership of this church is crucifying themselves, and I believe there are many people in this church that are dying to their flesh because they want a life that is worthy of the calling of Jesus Christ. We continue to practice that, and I guarantee you God's presence will continue to show up in this church. And I cannot wait to the 17th if the Lord allows us to open up on that day. I cannot wait to the 17th to get back with you. Look, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your giving. We haven't had to release one of our employees, and it's because of you. Let's continue to give to this beacon of light. Let's continue to allow Northfield's ministries to thrive. It may look different when we get back, but as we phase and phase and phase to the new normal, we will eventually get back to normal. So continue to be faithful with his tithe and your offering, and I know God will bless you. I love you. Be looking for uh, Wednesday at 630 for more information about what it looks like as we reopen. I'm going to take you through the whole process and show you what everything's going to be. But we're going to go out of here on a celebratory note. We love you. We're excited to see you. Tune in on Mother's Day as my wife Carrie brings the word. I know she's got something 
burning in her spirit that she wants to download into your home, from our home to your home on Mother's Day. We can't wait to be with you. Can't wait to see you. We love you. Mwah, mwah, mwah. See you on the 17th. God bless you, Father. Bless them in Jesus' name. And everybody types, amen. Holy Spirit, take my hand now. Lead me out in the living waters. You're the wellspring. You're stirring. You're the light for your sons and daughters. Eyes are open to the unseen. And my faith is rising within me. Bless the Lord now. Sing it out loud. Come and give the Lord his glory. You're calling me deeper, deeper still. So I'm going deeper, deeper still into your love. Because your love keeps going deeper, deeper still. You're calling me deeper, deeper still. So I'm going deeper, deeper still into your love, into your love. Hands are open to the unseen and my faith is rising within me bless the lord now sing it out loud lift your hands give the lord his glory you're calling me deeper deeper still you're calling me deeper deeper still so i'm going deeper deeper still into your love because your love keeps going deep Do you love?